Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith, and this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 26. Hello. It's the holidays. It's the holidays. It is. We are now smack in the middle of, well, not in the middle. We're smack <laughs> inside of December. <laughs> We're smack in it. We're smack in it. Um, I, oh, uh, shoot. I need to do a correction. I oh, forgot. Jen, what happened? Well, this is a fun correction. Okay. Um, it makes it, the story even better. But um, d- remember the story that I told about my cousin Jen marrying well and Yes, um, from and like two story, episodes ago. From two episodes. I told this story about how she got her nickname, um, he calls her Pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said in the story that I thought that it was his friend dared him to order my pig of a girlfriend will have. Yeah. And it was actually Jen that dared him to say, I dare you. <laughs> that is That's amazing. Better. It's so much better because it's like, oh, well, she's the one who made the joke. So yeah. that makes it hilarious exactly. and also just makes me like her so much that she can like take a joke like yeah that. take a joke yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. like that's great yeah they're the best but yeah jen actually texted me while she was listening to it and was like lol i i'm actually the one to say that <laughs> she was like lol i want i want the points the for credit <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you <laughs> for being hilarious <laughs> and you are jen <laughs> Should we do our quickies? Yeah, let's do our quickies. Okay, I think I am first. Okay. Do you know how I love a story about a crazy couple? Mm-hmm. I got real crazy couple. Um, Is it a crazy animal couple? Be honest. Well, I mean, I guess yes, in that humans are animals. <laughs> <laughs> but as much as I tried to find an animal story for you this week, I just couldn't. So okay. I actually did. I like crazy people stories. Yeah, I actually did try. I found a, a story about what I thought was a couple stealing a penguin from a zoo. And it was real funny. But then I realized, oh, one of the guys just had a name that sounded like a woman's name. And it was oh, just it was a like couple Lindsay of buddies. And, it was um, Carrie and Reese. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's they're not, just friends. They're, they're just like couple. buddies. Yeah. Dang. It was just a couple of drunk what bros. What does that look like, stealing a penguin? Do you hold the penguin's hand and just waddle out with it? Or do you, like, put a pillowcase <laughs> over its head? <laughs> well, apparently they're they... in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> this this uh, non-couple of dudes, they were super drunk, and they broke into a zoo, and... They have like a bunch of selfies around and they took this penguin whose name is NIMBY Mm -hmm. and then they woke up in the morning and they found they were blackout drunk and they found this penguin in their hotel room and they're like, oh shit. So they put it in the bathtub (laughs) and then then, like threw ice on it. It's like, it's Splash. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they put it in the bathtub and then um, they were like, we got to get, we got to get this penguin out of here. So they took it out and put it in the river, (gasps) in the river and someone saw them and rescued the penguin. The penguin's fine. But they got, they got arrested. Oh my God. See, that was a great cookie. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was so excited about it. (laughs) 
with this okay, one. Okay, tell me your real quickie. Okay, here's my real quickie. Uh, I was like, can I make that about love? About love of a penguin? About love of <laughs> friends? I don't uh, know. We do what we want. Um, okay, so yeah, we do. We stretch them somewhat. But okay, so this is uh, this is about a couple couple. So this is back in March of this year. Uh, 25-year-old Camden Mack and 22-year-old Taylor Coates were feeling pretty amorous towards each other. And they found themselves in a hot tub, and then one thing led to another, and they started having relations. Bonin. Bonin. Yes, if you want to be in gross about tub. it, Jen. Bonin. Um, they were making love, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the problem was that the hot tub they were in was a public hot tub. Oh, no. At the Kalahari Resort in Huron Township, Ohio, on a Tuesday afternoon. Oh, my God. In so, the daytime? Yeah, the daytime. So... The Kalahari Resort is actually an indoor water park. Ew! Yeah, I mean, those are gross enough anyway. Like, I know people that love them. I mean, I love an indoor water park just because I love water slides, but uh-huh. they're so gross. Yeah, I've ne- I can't I can't bring myself. Everybody loves the Great Wolf Lodge. Yeah, so this is what that's this is the okay. Kalahari Resort is like. Think of a Great Wolf Lodge. Like it's yeah. like a kid's place. I just picture like hot, wet, <laughs> like. <laughs> Smelling, yeah, <laughs> slides. <laughs> I was like, "Where's this gonna end?" <laughs> oh my god! And then people like this that yes. have sex in hot tubs in the middle of it. Yeah, the so heck? they're having sex. They're kids nearby. So the couple who are obviously drunk were like indignant um, when they were confronted by a lifeguard, this poor like teenager, who politely asked them to leave. And Camden was like, well, we weren't having sex. And then took a swing at this little lifeguard who's probably making minimum wage. And the lifeguard called police. And at first the couple was like cooperative with police. They were like, we don't even know why we're being kicked out. I mean, this is crazy. Like we didn't do anything. And they were like, Everybody saw you having sex in the hot tub. And so then Camden starts getting like real belligerent. Oh and he God. is like, I spent thousands of dollars to be at this resort, which is just, I'm like, what? It's what like is- 79. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did you day pass? <laughs> like, were you there for weeks? Like, did you get, are you, do you live there? He Groupon. Groupon for a month. So he is like really upset. He starts cussing and yelling at the deputy. And I can just see them like, sir, sir. And I'm like, is he? That's such a 25-year-old thing to yell out, too. Like, I spent thousands of dollars I should to be at this indoor water park. I should be able to fuck anywhere I want. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually they agreed to leave, but they were like, we got to go get our stuff. It's still by the hot tub. So police were like, okay, go get your stuff. Uh-huh. And when they let them go back to the hot tub, the couple took off running. Oh, my God. What a um, bunch of idiots. So, of course, police chased them down because they're drunk and probably in flip-flops. And <laughs> they're like slip sliding all over and uh they put them under arrest but camden was like nope not done i'm gonna oh my just God. make this worse and so he begins screaming and he refused to walk and so they they had to like carry him to the car and then once he got in the car he was handcuffed but they didn't have the safety lock on so he somehow got the door open and then ran from the police car with his cuffs on and then into like a nearby parking lot and then just fell over because he was wasted. I gotta be honest. This sounds like some meth shit. I, I mean, maybe. Like, I, maybe they were drunk. Probably drunk. Yeah. But also, meth maybe. I mean, they do have a little bit of meth face. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll post okay. the pictures on Instagram. <laughs> so they got him in. When they got him to the jail, they had to put him in a restraining chair because he was still 
being like crazy. Um, and so they were both charged with persistent disorderly conduct and criminal trespassing. And then they were released from jail after posting bond. And there you go. So did it, it didn't say how much their bond was. It doesn't say how much their bond was. How or stupid. All you had to do was just be like, okay, yeah, we'll stop. Okay, we'll stop. Sorry, we were drunk. Men. And then they would have just like let them leave. They weren't trying to arrest them. They just wanted the guy to the lifeguard just wanted them to leave. Oh my god. What's that? Idiots. Idiots. Dude. Those are some dumb dumb oh, dummies. Man. Okay, my quickie is a little different. Okay. Okay, remember back in Halloween times when I decided I was gonna do all of October, I was gonna do a Halloween theme. Uh-huh. So I think I'm gonna attempt. I probably should have did a little more research to see if I had a month's worth of holiday <laughs> <laughs> stories. But this story inspired me. Um, I was like, hey, this is Halloween the- uh, a Halloween uh the holiday themed. You're like so far. December, I'm going to do all. It. I'm going to do Halloween again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my story is, okay, you guys have all seen the, um, we got to quit it with this monk fruit chocolate, dude. <laughs> it's my fault. I bought it again. Sally's trying to eat the chocolate, <laughs> but she's like hanging off the back of the chair so we can't hear the crunch. Chocolate shouldn't crunch. It shouldn't be unless Chocolate there's melt crunchy in your things mouth. in it. It shouldn't be. There's no. There's no crumbly crunch. crunch. It's chalk. <laughs> it does taste like chalk. Why am I? Why Dude, do I keep eating it? Okay, how about for the holidays we let ourselves eat actual chocolate Woo-hoo! again? Let's do it. Okay, sorry. All right, fuck this diet bullshit. I'm bringing <laughs> back the peanut butter cups next yes. week. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry I put you through that. Okay. Um, I'm ready for your holiday cheer. Okay. So everybody has seen the commercial that's like, it's like famous right now. Everybody's talking about it. It's the Peloton bicycle commercial. Oh, right. I, I have not seen it, but I've been reading about it. Okay. So to explain the commercial, it's commercial where this man surprises his wife with mm-hmm. a Peloton bike and it's just like sitting in the middle of their like beautiful home and mm-hmm. he puts it like right in the middle in front of the window. Yeah. And then she's all excited, like, Oh my god, I didn't know that I wanted this. I'm scared, but I'll try. So the whole um commercial is her holding the cell phone up to her, like videotaping herself doing all of these workouts. Yeah. And the, and talking to her husband, like, mm, gotta get up, six AM, I'm gonna do another workout. And then at the end of the commercial she plays an edited version of all of the, uh, her workouts. And yeah. then it's like, I never knew that I needed this. It was life-changing. Thank you. And so um, people uh. are going cuckoo. I knew people were going cuckoo. Oh, and the title of this commercial is called The Gift That Gives Back. And so... I knew people were going crazy over it because people were like, nice, you bought your wife. Like, and plus this woman is like super thin yes. already. And it, people are saying, oh, it looks like an episode of Black Mirror. Like, you know, this husband just keeps his wife on this Peloton bike. And right. she's like, thank you, daddy. You know, <laughs> and then, you know, they're saying it's sexist and it's misogynistic. You know, um, yeah. the man buys 
is why to keep her in shape. But I think, and I read today actually on, so this article that I'm reading right now is from Daily Mail, but I did get, uh, I did read an article from BuzzFeed that came out this morning where Peloton is like, look, that's not what we were trying to right. do. We're just talking about the fact that what we intended for the commercial was it to read as like a fitness journey, not a, you have to lose weight. Right, like here, this is what you need. And she's yeah, like, yeah. Because, I mean, to be honest, I'd be pretty stoked with a Peloton bike. I'd be like, cool. Yes. But, but see, I definitely wouldn't, like, take a video of myself and send it right. to my husband. I mean, I think the what people are, like, if it had been her idea, like, I, I really want this Peloton bike because I want to try to get in shape and he got it for her. Like, I got Ben a punching bag for Christmas because he really, or for his birthday because he really wanted one. And I wasn't like... Here you go, fatty. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. Maybe you should still That's punch true. Back. You ha- it, it would. It makes a huge difference if you had reference. Yes, if I've been like, hey, or uh, any kind of like, hey, I really, I want to start getting in shape. I want to try something. And he was like, here, here's the thing. If you want to or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, But I think what people were seeing in whether or not they meant it, were seeing like a guy being like, hmm. Maybe you shouldn't eat so much. Yeah. Maybe you should work out. And her being like, I'm doing it, honey. Look, I'm doing this for you. I'm getting I'm getting skinny. And this already beautifully thin woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. And she does have this like look of desperation in her face. Yes. Like, please don't leave me. <laughs> but this article that I uh, read, it, I didn't realize how much people hated this commercial. Right. Because apparently Peloton lost $942 million of its market value in one day. That's so crazy. One day. The stock dropped 10% because of this dumb, dumb commercial. Okay, so as I'm finishing up this quickie, I'm now realizing that this is not a great quickie, and I apologize. I think it's a great quickie, and it's holiday-themed. And it's like you are on the pulse of what people are talking about, Jen. Am I? Am I a hot topic? You're a hot topic. I'm I mean, ho- I mean, not me. I mean, I'm a hot topic host now. No, you're like hot topic the store. Yeah, I'm like hot topic. <laughs> like, oh, dude, <laughs> that stings a little bit because um, it's a little true. <laughs> um, okay, awesome. Well, there we go. There's the good thing you had that extra bonus quickie in there. Right? Or this would have been... Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, should we get into crazy stories? Yes. Please. Okay. Oh my god. Hey Jen. Hey Sally. Do you want to hear my crazy story? Yes, I do. Okay. So I got my information from Dateline, of course. Yay. From a program called Valley of the Damned, which is on ID Network. Ooh. So you can watch that. Um, the episode is called Jehovah's Jinx. <gasps> a website called Westward, and then an article in the Warfano. World Journal. So, okay, so Shannon and Kelsey Palmer grew up in a small town near Pueblo, Colorado with their mother Pam and their father Jerry. Pam was a devout Jehovah's Witness and brought her daughters up in the religion. And Jerry was not a Jehovah's Witness, but he loved Pam and he respected her. And so when she wanted to homeschool their daughters, even though he didn't really agree with the the idea, he, he said yes. So, um, up until high school, she homeschooled the girls, and and they were just her world. They were like the center of her universe. She loved them. But when Shannon, who was the oldest, was ready to go to high school, Pam decided that Jerry was right, and that it was time for her daughter to be with other kids. And Shannon got to high school. She made friends right away, and it helped that like a lot of the kids at the school were also Jehovah's Witnesses. So they oh, had wow. kind of grown up in the same community. I think there was a big 
this was a small town, but a lot of people were a part of the church. So they just got together and didn't celebrate anything. Right. They didn't. <laughs> they just got together and handed out pamphlets the at subway stations. <laughs> so a lot of the kids were Jehovah's Witnesses, including a boy named Aaron Candelario. And Aaron had also been brought up in the religion by a devout father, Ralph, and his mother, Dina. But when he was 11, his parents had separated and his mother had left Colorado. And so he had been raised by his father. And Aaron and Shannon hit it off right away and they wanted to start dating. Um, but because of their faith, they could only date with chaperones. So boys and girls couldn't be alone together until they were married. Wow. So... Their parents said, okay, Aaron and Shannon started going on dates. And so sometimes it would be Shannon's mom. Sometimes it would be Aaron's dad. Can you imagine having to chaperone your kids' dates? Oh my God. exhausting. I'm like so excited for when Max is old enough to go places without me. I know. (laughs) Like I don't need to be a part of this, do I? (sighs) So sometimes it'd be Ralph, Aaron's dad, and then sometimes they would go together. Um, And the actually Pam and... Ralph knew each other from the Kingdom Hall, which is their church. So sometime during their senior year, Aaron and Shannon got engaged and they planned to get married after graduation. And this was something that Shannon said was pretty common among their peers, their Jehovah's Witnesses peers, was to get married at 18. So around this same time, Pam and Jerry decided to divorce. And Pam was actually the one who initiated it, but because divorce was frowned on In the religion, Jerry was the one who had to file for the divorce because he was not a Jehovah's Witness. Oh. So throughout that senior year, Aaron and Shannon started planning their wedding and making plans for their future. And they were in love like only a couple of 18-year-olds who have never been alone together can be, right? They're like seeing this perfect future together like oh, oh yeah <laughs> right you're like oh yeah you have no as soon as my mom's out of here <laughs> right <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna kiss like no one's ever kissed before <laughs> but then a few weeks before the wedding pam and ralph asked to see aaron and shannon and shannon's younger sister kelsey and when everyone was together pam and ralph so pam is shannon's mom and ralph is aaron's dad Okay. Announced that they had eloped and that they were now married. <gasps> yes. So then that makes them brother and sister? Yeah. Dirty. Dirty. Oh, that so apparently, is some dirty business, yeah. mom and dad. Holy crap. Apparently the Pam and Ralph had been begun their affair before Pam was even divorced. And Ooh. the two had actually been found out by the church because... A woman that Ralph had been seeing reported it to the church. And so they had been reprimanded, but the kids knew nothing of this. They didn't know anything of their relationship. They didn't know that this was kind of the reason behind Pam and Jerry's divorce. And like Aaron and Shannon were furious. They felt betrayed because this now put a shadow over their upcoming wedding because they were going to be step siblings getting married. Uh-huh. And so they cut Pam and Ralph out of their lives and actually didn't allow them to attend the wedding, but they did go through with the wedding. And Aaron and Shannon, they tried to make a go of it, but they were so young and they were just 18 when they got married. And with the bad taste of like Pam and Ralph's marriage and um, they just didn't make it. So after about a year and a half, their marriage fell apart and Aaron and Shannon got divorced, but they remained friends. They just, you know, they just were too young. Yeah, that's crazy young. Yeah. So young. So Pam and Ralph, however, were doing great. They were, they had moved to a tiny town called Wallensburg and it opened an antique store there. Um, they had bought a nice house. They even had a vacation home in Oregon. 
And Shannon and Kelsey began like the slow process of trying to rebuild their relationship with their mom. So Kelsey was just a teenager and she went a few times to help set up the new store. And she said that their mom seemed like genuinely happy with their her new life and especially with this like project, this like antique store. She just said it, she felt like she finally had like a purpose. And Pam was just kind of this um, really outgoing woman and she had always had a lot of energy and she finally had something to really focus on it. She felt like she had a career for the first time. And Shannon even visited and agreed to allow her mom slowly back into her life. But not long after that visit with Pam, Shannon got a call from Aaron and Aaron was panicked. And he said his dad had been hurt and was being airlifted to the hospital in Pueblo and that he was scared that Shannon's mom had also been hurt. Um, but she wasn't. She wasn't just hurt. She was dead. <gasps> so what happened What happened was, <laughs> on the morning of January 15th, 2014, a neighbor found Ralph on the sidewalk outside of the Candelario's home screaming for help. He was bloody. He had an obvious head wound. He was still in his pajamas. And he was dazed. But he told the neighbor that someone had broken into the house and had beaten him and that Pam was hurt inside. And so the neighbor called 911 and like assured Ralph that help was on the way. And when the officer on duty arrived at the house, he got help for Ralph, who he saw was like badly beaten, and then entered the Candelario's home and immediately saw that Pam was dead in the kitchen. Oh my God. He said that there was, this is just such a gross detail, I'm sorry, but he was like, there was blood in the grout. Like it had come all the way down like to the front, like down the hall. It was like, there was so much blood. And the Candelarios were not even supposed to be home at the time that Pam was killed. They had been supposed to catch a flight to Oregon to their vacation home, but the flight was delayed. So they had come home and were going to leave the next morning. And so Ralph, when Ralph was able to talk to police, he told them that during the early morning hours of the 15th, that two men had entered the home and they had stayed for hours. He said that he had walked downstairs to stoke the fire in the middle of the night because that was how they heated the home and that he was hit on the side of the head. And that after that, he didn't remember anything until he came to in the morning and saw Pam blood everywhere and dead on the kitchen floor. And he got up and ran outside for help. And so the police officer who responded to the scene knew that he was out of his depth because he was the only officer on duty. This was like a tiny police force. They didn't have a forensics team or a homicide unit. So he called in the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. And the police, it made to police it made sense that the Candelaria home might have been targeted because they weren't supposed to be home. They had owned an antique store and they had valuable things inside the house. Um, and it was like one of the nicer houses in town. And because it was a small town, people knew that they were going on vacation. Ralph described the men as Hispanic. He said that one was tall and one was shorter, but beyond that he wasn't really much help. He was still very confused um, and very dazed from being hit on the head. Now, when, they were supposed to be out of town, but they happened to be there that m- morning. So the, they went to go catch their flight, and the flight was delayed. So oh. they could so they went back home, oh. and then they were supposed to catch the flight the next day. So it was like that night they should have been gone. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Investigators found the murder weapon, which was a fire poker and that had been used to beat Pam to death. They found that in the home. They found a window broken. They cataloged everything and dusted for prints, and they found missing jewelry. Um, So when Ralph was able to a few days later, they had him walk through the house again and describe what had happened. They have this video of everything, and he's like very upset. He's crying, and he told his story, this time with like 
more detail. And at one point they walked by a laundry room and there were two rugs in the washer that they were too, still wet. And Ralph was like, I've never seen those rugs before. So police take those, put them Weird. into evidence. And they start looking at suspects. So they start with Jerry, Pam's ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious when police talked to him that he was still reeling from the divorce. And But he was cleared fairly quickly because he was... He had an alibi. He was like hours and hours away when the murders happened. So, but then a citizen's tip came in and the tip said that there were two men, named two men, two known drug users with long rap sheets who had a history of breaking in and entering, breaking and entering and assault. And they were both Hispanic and matched the description Ralph had given to police. And so an informant told police that they had been seen trying to sell jewelry the day after the murder. And then a few days later, a reporter named Eric Mullins from the Werferno Daily World Journal, which is the local newspaper, received a letter about the murder. And it was a letter from Ralph. And it was in the 300, no, 3,300 word letter, which was so long that the paper had to publish it in two editions. Ralph laid out the story of what he said happened that night. So he said that he could now remember the whole incident and he wanted to explain what had happened. Oh my God. And he said that the home evasion had actually taken place over several days instead of an evening. He described one of the attackers in detail and it matched one of the suspects that the police had brought in um, down to the point where he said he had marks on his face and the guy, one of the guys had marks on his face. He again said that he was knocked out and when he came to, he said that Pam was alive but hurt and that he had held her hand and that she had died shortly after. Mm. And he said that the attackers then pointed a gun at him and fired, but the gun jammed. He later told the police that at one point while he was held captive, one of the attacker attackers had sexually assaulted him at gunpoint and that he hadn't said that before because he was embarrassed. Oh my gosh. And there was so much detail and the story was so different from his initial claims that to police and everyone else who read it, it was very suspicious. Really? Because it seemed that Ralph was changing his story to match the evidence the police were finding. Oh. So for instance, he changed the time of Pam's death to earlier because police had asked him about the, when he was initially questioned about the precise time of death saying, well, you know, if you don't know exactly, we'll be able to tell by her body temperature, you know, more precisely. And so he changed it to a like earlier like much earlier than he initially had said. Oh. Um, he also said that the broken window, the police had found that the glass was on the outside. And so when he talked about it in the letter, he says, oh, I noticed when I left the door, when I, op- when I left to go get help, I opened the door. So he said some of the glass had fell out. And then he said... So it was just like a really oddly specific, Oddly specific. Details. And like now all of his details are changing and the things he's saying aren't matching the actual evidence. He also... So police did the initial walkthrough with Ralph before this, before he was a suspect. Ralph had noticed that all the knobs on the drawers were gone and he was like why why are the knobs gone and the police like well we took them to test them for fingerprints and so he was like really like why i don't understand what the knobs and then in the letter he said oh i also remember that the attackers wore gloves because the knobs that makes sense why they wouldn't find their fingerprints so police also found on those two rugs they found pam's blood and they were antique rugs that 
Ralph had said he'd never seen before, but now he remembered that those were actually They're from his house. Rugs. Yeah. What an idiot. Yes. Oh my god, oh, I forgot those are those are rugs. Oh wait, wait. I mean, why would you be like, I've never seen those before? Yeah. Just like I'd be like, I don't I didn't put them in there. I mean, I'm not gonna say how I would do it, but you know. Yeah. Um Murder Sally. Mur- <laughs> what would Murder Sally do? What would Murder Sally Well Murder Sally would say the attackers must have put those in there. Yeah. They're ours, but I didn't put them in there, but they are ours. Police, of course, they begin investigating Ralph. And what do you know? He has a mistress. Of course he does. Yes. And in fact, he'd had a mistress pretty much from the beginning of his and Pam's relationship. And because he'd already been reprimanded by the church for a divorce, if his affair had been found out again, he would have been been expelled from the church. This is what I just don't understand about religion sometimes and like like i do not understand now if you are this person right if you're so religious you're so religious but you're hiding things from the church that you don't want to get kicked out of yeah but you're obviously not a part of this church right you don't actually you don't believe. share the same beliefs yes, yes. That's so crazy to me. It is very crazy. I mean, that's, you know, the hypocrisy of religion. Like, I think that's why a lot of people don't like organized religion is because a lot of people within the church are, you know, they're not living the lives that they're saying they are or that they believe. Yeah. Yeah. So police had Shannon, Pam's daughter, call Ralph and to ask him to tell her what happened. And they taped the phone call. And he did, and his story changed again, and police were just like, okay, he is definitely our guy, and they arrested Ralph for Pam's murder. And Shannon was shocked by the whole thing. You know, I mean, she was just like, I thought, you know, I wasn't happy with them, but I thought that they were happy together. I don't understand. Why would he kill her? Uh But Aaron, Ralph's son, was not surprised because in 2004, when Aaron was 11, and his parents separated, he and his brother had gone back and forth between the two homes until one day when they returned to their mother Dina's house, they found a note saying that she was leaving because she knew it was what was best for the kids. And then they never saw her again. And Ralph had filed a missing persons report on Dina. And he was actually questioned by the Pueblo Police Department, but he passed a polygraph test indicating that he had nothing to do with her disappearance. And it was discovered that Dina, who had a history of mental health issues, had been uh, talking to numerous men online, including some with lengthy criminal histories. There were indications that Dina had gone to visit one of these men and never returned. But to Aaron, this never made sense. Yeah. For one, the note was in like a shaky handwriting that didn't look like his mother's. And then... Uh, About a year after his mother disappeared, he found a box in his father's basement with stuff from his mom, including her ID, her cell phone, and a jacket that her, Dina's mom had given her that was like very precious to her, all stuff that his dad had claimed she had taken with her when she left. Oh my gosh. And so from that moment on- Why would he keep it? I mean, idiot. If I was going to, you know, (laughs) murder Sally. Murder Sally. So he, from that moment on, Aaron suspected that his father had killed his mother. And he actually spent several years searching old mines near their home, looking for her body oh, as like a 12-year-old. So sad. Oh, my God. But as he got o- older, he never told anyone, uh, but he just like locked his suspicions away. Because after all, he's being raised by, by this, this man. man. Yeah, and he what? doesn't have anyone else. So now that this has happened with Pam... 
Aaron went to police and told them his suspicions about Dina's disappearance. And prosecutors wanted to use this story to kind of bolster their case against Ralph for Pam's murder, being like, this is a pattern. He has done this before. He would rather kill a woman than have to divorce her. Yeah, that's and, crazy. But the judge said, no, you can't use this information because that would prejudice, prejudice the jury because this is something that hasn't been proved. This is all just supposition, which... I understand, but also is it didn't matter. It didn't yeah. matter anyway, because after three days of deliberation, the jury convicted Ralph of first-degree murder, and he was sent back to prison to await sentencing. And then the day of his sentencing, Ralph had a disposable razor to shave his face, oh. and he cut his wrist and throat in what he wanted to look like an attempted suicide, but was like completely superficial. It was all just a delay tactic to delay oh. sentencing. But the judge was like, nope. And so the sentencing went on. Um, there are pictures of him like being wheeled in in a wheelchair. And aye, he's like, aye. has like, you know, bandages, but is otherwise fine. And so two years after the murder of Pam Candelario, Ralph was sentenced to life in prison plus 18 months. And they do that because the 18 months is the amount of time you could get for like good behavior. So then you can't get anything. So you, nothing yeah. less than, yeah, nothing less than life. And although he has not been charged, the Pueblo Police Department is taking a fresh look into Dina Candelario's disappearance. So Wow. That is the murder of Pam Candelario. That's Isn't that crazy? Nuts. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Hey, Sally. Yes, Jen. Are you ready for a nice love story? I feel like yes. Okay. I'm real ready. Good. Well, this love story comes from several sources. Big one being the New York Times. Ooh, very schmancy. Written by Rosalie Radomsky. Radomsky. Uh huh. And then also an article for the Daily Mail written by Annabelle Fenwick Elliott. All right. Thank you, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. So in 1994, Piper Goodeve was 14 years old and a high school freshman living in Wilton, uh, New Hampshire. So was I, but in New York. I was 14 in 1994. I was close to that. <laughs> <laughs> she was... Okay, living in Wilton, New Hampshire. She had started acting at the age of six. She was in love with the theater, uh-huh. and she would go to theater summer camps every summer. She dreamed of growing up to be a professional actor. Yeah. She had a friend that she went to high school with who had moved there from Amherst, Massachusetts, and her friend was like, hey, I know a guy from my hometown that loves theater as much as you do. You yeah. should totally be friends with him. And you should get on the AOL. Yeah. Well, this was actually pre... I guess, well, AOL was just starting then, but they, they decided to use pen and paper. Oh, so they the were pen pals. The old way. Love yeah. it. Her friend's name uh, was Gabriel Vaughn, and he was 15 years old. And... Um, Apparently, her friend said, my friend wants to be an actor when he grows up, and so do you. So why don't you be friends? I actually had a pen pal when I was 14. And really? I remember that wearing this now. I do not remember his name, but he lived, I think, in Virginia and worked at a theme park. Name a Virginia theme park. Six Flags. No, it wasn't Six Flags. <laughs> it was like a, it wasn't Dollywood. Was it like King's Dominion? Something like that. Okay. And he had brown hair. <laughs> so if you're listening. <laughs> if you lived in Virginia. If you fit this 
description. <laughs> and around 1994, you were pen pals with a girl named Jen O'Neill. Hey, <laughs> how are ya? How have you been these Drop last us a line. 30 years? <laughs> I remember he had a black shirt on. He like sent me one picture. He was wearing a black shirt with his hands in his pocket. If you used to own a black shirt, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, 20 years. I really aged I you there. I want to say Peter. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, it was some kind of theme park that he worked at, and I remember thinking that was pretty cool. So they decided to. These two decided to be pen pals. So Piper wrote Gabe a letter, and the letter she, you know, wrote what. Most 14 year old girls would write uh-huh. an introductory pen pal letter, uh, you know, which is a direct quote, for, a quote from Prospero's epilogue in The Tempest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I would have written, except it would have been like lyrics to a new kids on the block. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It said, as you from crimes would pardon be, let your indulgence set me free Piper this is yeah (laughs) 14 year old Piper and but you know what Gabe was into that shit (laughs) he says he told the Huffington Post it was like receiving a letter from a kindred spirit who just knew what she wanted to do so we could talk the same language right out of the gate and that was really rare so yeah just like like, these people (laughs) like two 14 year olds books both speaks Shakespearean then like yeah match made in heaven I would have been like dear Gabe are you hanging tough (laughs) (laughs) I'm like yo what's up with an arrow pointing up (laughs) nothing apostrophe much Work sucks. Uh, I hate homework. He got the letter and was super stoked. And then a few weeks later, um, he wrote her back. And then over the next four years, they wrote each other letters at least once a month. And they would even send each other like programs from the the plays that they were in or the plays that they liked. Yeah, they had a lot in common, but they were both in relationships at the time. So this was just a friendly theater Mm -hmm. pen palmanship. I guess. And then they even met one time when Piper went to go see Gabriel in a play, um, which was actually The Tempest at Massachusetts Theater. And then throughout the four years, they estimate about 50 letters that they sent each other over the four years. They fell out of touch and they kind of went their separate ways. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, teen dreams do fade. (laughs) (laughs) Just jawing buds of May. I don't know Shakespeare enough. She uh, received a master's in acting from Brown University, and she graduated magna cum laude. She, you know, did big things, and then he did the same thing. Um, He became a senior studio manager at the Endeavor Studios, which is a commercial casting studio in Manhattan. And he also was the commissioner of the Brooklyn Croquet and Hunt Club. Oh, okay. And he he graduated from Sarah Lawrence. So they both, you know, lived their lives and, Uh you know... Became successful. Right. And did it what sounds they like loved. they were like very, like they were like not very far from each other the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just wait. Okay. So in 2011, Piper and Gabriel both at the same time decided to join OK Cupid. Uh-huh. They were just looking for love, and yeah. they didn't want to do it, but their friends were like, "Everybody's doing it. To do it." 
And Piper actually said she recalled thinking to herself, this isn't my story. This isn't how I'm going to meet the guy to spend the guy I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I just don't think this is how it's supposed to happen for me. I love um, I love the dramatic. This yeah, isn't my this story. Isn't my story. <laughs> she signed on but she had a like um cryptic screen name it okay. didn't say piper one day gabriel saw came across her profile but he didn't know it was her yeah. and he saw that they had a 94 percent match so he just wrote to this person and was like hey do you want to go out on a date yeah and then a second later he got a message back and it was from piper and it said Gabe, it's Piper. It's your pen pal. Because she could see his picture and his name. So she was like, what the heck? So they were just totally like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. And then they um, ended up meeting a few days later for just like a casual meetup. And she actually brought a friend with her, you know, just so that it was more just like a casual catch up. Let's just meet for drinks. So they met up and it turns out that even though they hadn't spoken to each other in 14 years, they were living parallel lives almost the entire time. She studied acting in London in 2001 at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And then in 2000, so just like a year apart, he was in London studying at the British American Drama Academy. No way. Isn't that crazy? And then they moved to Brooklyn around the same time and they only lived two blocks apart no way isn't that crazy and they were both working as actors and audiobook narrators and they even shared the same voiceover agent no way that's craziness yeah and then they this is crazy too they had they took to get to work every day they took the same exact subway every day like the same train the The same same time time. and he was in the front or she was in the front of the subway and he was on the back and they and they just never, never saw connected. each other. That's it's so like, nice. I know. Then the more they talked, the more that they realized that they had so many mutual friends. Yeah. Because I mean, they just had so much in common, and were both in audiobooks and had the same agent and all that stuff. So that night, Gabriel invited them to come back to his apartment because he wanted to show her something. Mm-hmm. So and it wasn't his pain. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> was not so so he had them come up to his apartment and that's when he took out this binder that and it was on the binder it said piper g on the cover of it yeah and inside was every single one of the letters that they had ever written to each other it was about 50 and he saved them all and then he went on he has his grandmother's old manual typewriter he's very theatrical they're very theatrical (laughs) yeah and then he he went to the typewriter and he decided to type one more letter to her and he handed it to her and he and he said here we are looking backward and forward and who knows what the future will hold and then he handed her the letter wait was her friend there just like oh it was like jerk off motion (laughs) (laughs) she was just like how can i get out of this slowly creaking back step out the apartment door. they're like looking longingly yeah. into each other's eyes like just they're like, about to break into like a musical theater she dance she starts eating a piece of monk fruit chocolate and totally ruins the vibe so then yeah the t- they quickly fell in love yeah and then in october of 2013 gabriel proposed to piper in the Garden of the Lord Jeffrey Inn, mm-hmm. which was the Massachusetts theater, which is where they had met that 
first that time, time that one time uh yeah when they had um when she had gone to see him in his play so he proposed to her there and then they ended up doing like acting together in 2013 he played laertes and hamlet with uh the tennessee shakespeare company um of which he is a founding member and then she played horatio and then on september of 2014 piper goodeve and gabriel vaughn were married at the codman estate which is an event space in lincoln massachusetts and they still live in brooklyn together and they are actors and audiobook narrators together and i so i tried to find like updates on them because i wanted to see like what are they doing now and so i was able to find a little bit it looks like that they um do audiobooks together so there's all these audiobooks where they're both the voices like they play the male and female voices and they they narrate them together so i just picture them sitting in their adorable apartment just being adorable and just doing their audiobooks all day long like what a life what a life what a life it sounds, sounds fun. amazing, it, but that's the last I could find on them. But it, their audiobooks, a lot of them look like romance novels. What? Yeah, I'm gonna audible that shit. Yeah, audible it. So well, I love that story. story. Yeah, I love it. I know it was really sweet. Not tweet. Okay, so now it's time for dumb, dumb and love things. Yes. Okay, so I'm just gonna say it, but my mom died last week. Which, you know, (laughs) that'd be weird if this is how I told you. (laughs) Jen, I have something to tell you. Um, And that is possibly the dumbest thing that's ever happened. As I've I've talked about the podcast, she had a stroke a few months ago. And, you know, she had a lot of health problems and she just couldn't recover. And so last week, my brothers and I were there and we took her home from the hospital on Wednesday for hospice care and our whole family, my, you know, the kids and um, my sister-in-law, we, everybody came on Thursday and we had this like really weird and sad and kind of surprisingly wonderful Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother's best friend came and cooked for us and it was, it was really nice. It was exactly what my mom would have wanted. Like she was always just very, she loved to, she loved having parties. She loved having people over. She liked to entertain and so we just did it up. Like I was like, all right, you guys, we're like setting the table. We're going to do the whole thing. Aww. And so she actually passed away later that night at home, which is what she wanted. And I haven't really had time to process it yet. You know, anybody who's had a parent die, um, obviously it wasn't unexpected, but she was pretty young. And so, I mean, I think no matter when it happens, it's devastating. And... So there's just been a lot going on, and I just got home, and I think I'm finally starting to really feel it. It's setting in, yeah. <laughs> um, but my mom was just a really dynamic and Oof, sorry. No, don't apologize. I'm not a good crier. I'm like a really. It's like you're a beautiful. <laughs> crier. Oh, thank you. <laughs> she was just an amazing person. She was like so full of like. I mean, I would say almost overwhelming love. Like, you know, sometimes it was like so much like yeah. my, like that we would at times in our lives like be like, it's too much, mom. But it was just now I'm like, see it for now that I have a kid. I'm like, oh, I get it. She just loved us so much and she wanted to do everything for us. But she was like this crazy she was just a dynamic person. She every she had this she had reinvented herself a million times like she had all these different careers where every time she took on something, she like rose to the top. She was like 
the executive director of a couple of different nonprofits. And she then when she decided she didn't want to do that anymore, I had just graduated from college and I moved to um, Chicago and she was like, I'm going to come move to Chicago with you. And I was like, no, <laughs> but she did. She came and she was like in between jobs and she moved to Chicago for six months and just like she sold tickets to bus tours, like just That's on so the street awesome. corner. She had been this like executive. She's like, I just want to do like a fun job for a couple months and live next to you because uh, you're probably going to get married and then we'll never live in the same town. I thought this would be fun. And it was. She was Aww. like so much fun. She would like take me to plays and let me do my own thing. But like um, it was just cool having that experience with her. Um, and then she moved to South Carolina and took a job at a college as a fundraiser. And then like the next thing she like was at the head of the fundraisers, you know, and then she took a job at another college and it was closing and she saved it. This college called Antioch in Ohio. I mean, she just was like an amazing person. I'm really sad that she's gone. She sounds like you. Oh, thank you. She really, I mean, you're amazing. Thank you. (laughs) You are. Like she created wonderful children. She was yeah, she was like feminist before it was cool. She never like when I was a kid, she didn't let me watch um, Smurfs. <laughs> I know it's such a dumb, but she was like, she was like Sally. There's only one woman on that show, and you, and her name is Smurfette. And she was like, you. And the thing she always told me, she's like, yeah. She was like, you will never be an et anything. Like Aww. she like wouldn't let me do anything. Like she wouldn't let my brothers play football because she was like women can't play football and she wouldn't let me be a cheerleader because she was like men can't be cheerleaders so that's bullshit you know and she just was like always told me that I could do anything I wanted and I I always joked with her I was like yeah you know what the problem is is that I believed you and so I'm just like gone off on all these tangents of like oh I'm a lawyer no I'm gonna be a comedian but I mean how amazing is that that you can do all those things but and she just and you do them well well and she just I mean she instilled that in me and my brothers and um so I'm I think I need to stop talking about this (laughs) but um but anyway so that happened and you know one of the I mean, other than my mom was was just an amazing person um, who I'm going to miss so much. It was really cool to be there with my brothers and my family and just to see how they we all handled it together and um, really, I think, supported each other and are continuing to support each other. So I think that's just like such a blessing that we have that. So, yeah. okay. All right. What do you have? <laughs> 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 I mean, don't you no. have like a cooking show that you like or something? All right. Well, something <laughs> dumb is the same as yours. Obviously, it's very sucks. <laughs> and something I love is. Do you want me to get serious? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're already like, crying. I mean, I mean, I love. I something I love is you and your family and oh, your friends, you. and I think you're all beautiful people, and I think that you're. Um, an amazing strong woman and everybody that is around you is so lucky to have you and your your whole family seems wonderful and your friends do dr dude fuck flew all the way to florida yeah she like dropped everything and came from colorado and just got on a plane and came and she helped my family like clean out my mom's house and then she was took me to the beach and 
just was like, I'm getting a place. We're going to be on the beach. And it was so random because she just was like, oh, I have points. And it was like right next to the place that my mom and I always stayed when we went to this beach. And it was just like so perfect. We like walked and talked about my mom and um, Aaron, Dr. Dude Fuck, uh, you know, it, my mom was like her second mom. She like raised, like I feel the same way about her parents and like yeah. they kind of raised us both <laughs> together. And so, you know, she's known her all her life and it's just been, people have been so nice <laughs> and so kind and and it's like a lot of sincerity for me to take. <laughs> I, I know you can't handle it. <laughs> I can't handle all these feelings. <laughs> I know. I feel like I, um, when I wrote Sally a card, I was just trying to make her laugh. And I wrote like in the card, I wrote jerk off motion, jerk off motion. Oh my God. It made, and it did. It was she, perfect. I know, but, and I know, and you shared it on Instagram. I hope people think that that's not all I t- that that was my response <laughs> to like, so sorry, jerk off motion, jerk off motion. Oh, your mom died? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it made, it was there were like, a lot, there were a lot of conversations before yes. that card. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't all just jerk off. No. <laughs> Jen gave me, she oh. dropped off at my house, this beautiful basket oh, of things God. that was like exactly what I needed. I literally, she was like the warmest coziest socks that I'm wearing now and like the warmest <laughs> coziest blanket and wine and all you know like a bath bomb that I've already used and and then her card was like dear Sally and then on the end said and it jerk off motion jerk off and I was like thank god because I'm already crying and I can't fucking take it so I know, uh, it was perfect I really oh, appreciated it well glad you liked it jerk off motion yeah. man well, well now let's okay I feel like because I know you like to end on yeah. something... Something lighthearted. Lighthearted. Let's talk about real quick. Sally and I said that we have both had wine allergies. And Boss Sanchez, who's dope, so sent dope. us like all these different things of what he think it, thinks. Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm not accepting that you guys don't drink wine because he's a sommelier. <laughs> and, um, and he's a wine expert. And uh, so it's, he was just like, no, we're going to find a way around this. <laughs> and then my sister-in-law, Kimberly, sent me these like... And I meant to bring them to Sally, but we're going to try them out. They're called wine wands where you yeah. like stir it around your wine and it takes out all the allergens. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see wine. We'll see if it works wine. Well, <laughs> so that's something we love too. Yeah. <laughs> wine. We love wine. <laughs> we love wine. Man. All I right, think, guys. I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you guys for listening and for sticking with us. And, um, and I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you. We love you. And get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, da dum dumb, dumb, da dum 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 da d